there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, Robert Scott Bell. Wow, after an incredible hour of advanced legal medicine here on Monday of the Robert Scott Bell Show, we are back finally with Dr. Bittar here for some advanced medicine Monday, and the medicine is going to be across the board because we got to talk Obamacare, Dr. Batar. There's no way we can avoid what just happened last week. Oh, absolutely. It's necessary to talk about that because it affects the entire United States population. I'm thinking we should set up medical-free zones or, or Obamacare-free zones. I mean, literally, you're going to have to <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. have oases of <laughs> free freedom. Zones, healthcare-free zones. Yeah, I mean, think about that. We, we've we talked about this as well, and I think Mike Adams brought this up in, in, in a talk he gave a few years back, that the first state that would not only opt out of something like Obamacare but declare itself a health freedom state, it would have such an influx of people from all over the world, it would be the most vibrant economy of the 50 states that everybody would eventually have to copy it. I think there is one state. Isn't there one state that, uh, isn't it Louisiana, that's a state that oh, has Oklahoma already has some semblance uh, of that? Out of that, or I'm not sure. I, maybe I'm getting that confused with something else. But I thought Louisiana had distinguished itself from the rest of the states something to do with the Obamacare aspect. Oh, yeah. Well, there are, there are states nullifying it, and there will be more. But this is a real... Uh, let's say, clash of civilizations in America. Those that want to remain victims and being taken care of by government and then being dictated or corralled into a diagnosis. And, of course, everybody will have a mental illness, if if nothing else, because you're going to have to have something in order to get access. And if you don't comply with what they say, then they'll throw you out of the care and you'll be off in in some kind of outlaw wasteland. This is a great point, Robert, because... A lot of people are looking at this from an access and deniability of access standpoint, but what you really have to look at is the ability now of the government to create diagnoses and force people into these preset diagnoses. Now, an example would be autism, which DSM-3, DSM-4 criteria is that autism is a psychiatric illness. It is not considered to be a medical biological, physiological issue. It's considered to be a mental illness, a psychiatric disorder. Mm -hmm. Now, just look at the devastating effects of this because there are many people that have actually stepped outside of the box. As you know, as I've treated uh, worldwide patients now from 73 different countries, and these people have gotten better, but they will not even be allowed to get into an arena of medicine that addresses the toxicity aspects, that addresses the sequela of the toxicity, such as the gut dysbiosis and the fungal issues and the this and the that and the reduced immunity, which is all secondary to the, the heavy metal and the persistent organic toxicity, these children will now be forced and the parents will be forced into dealing with this as a psychiatric illness with medication that is designed to subdue them, to blunt them, to essentially sedate them, and that's it. And there's going to be no hope because they're just going to alter an already damaged 
neurochemistry and they're going to further alternate it and then uh, create a dependency on these various drugs just to in order for the individual to function and I'm not even talking about functioning like you and I function function in the sense that they can be in public without smacking their head in the wall or you know defecating on the on the floor etc wow. you follow what I'm saying yeah well it's it's you know sort of like you come in get a diagnosis and you say well no that's not my problem I mean you're, you're let's say you're semi-educated to another viewpoint but you're trapped in Obamacare because you feel like oh my gosh they're going to find me or imprison me if I don't participate in some way they give you a diagnosis which you know is is completely false but yet it's the official one it's the designated one it's the approved one under Obamacare and it's not that it's that different than what we see now because right now it's sort of a semi-private public private insurance agencies that are completely controlled by federal mandates, etc. that also, uh, what would we say, the controlled definitions and diagnoses. Now, the difference is, is it's stepping up what we've seen over a 100 years of downturn since the Flexner Report of 1910. But, but Robert, it's actually, the implications from a medical standpoint, it's actually even far more devastating because now the government mandate of how to treat these people will be extended to the physician and that standard of care, which is really an ambiguous and vague concept, will now end up having something that is defined in that standard of care definition, which will be completely primitive and barbaric, will now force the doctor to either, one, do what they're saying, or two, be criminalized because he's not following the diagnosis that is officially part of Obamacare. And, and this is the reason that I have heard multiple doctors over the last few years say that if this law passes, I am no longer going to stay in this country. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's where we are at this next phase because if we can't set up Obamacare-free, medical-free zones, if you will, to address the things that we know because you brought up the very important point I want to reiterate here. For instance, a diagnosis like autism is considered a psychiatric disorder, not a toxicological uh, assault that resulted in all of these symptoms that, that fall in that spectrum as it's diagnosed or, or referenced in the DSM. So you have a situation here where any number of diseases that you and I have discussed on the air even, for everybody to hear, have no official diagnosis or acknowledgement of the cause that we've identified. So you're completely in a, in a wasteland for care. You are forced to accept things that will actually make you five to ten times worse than actually work to correct you. And any treatment that is outside of the conventional standard of care defined by the government, i.e. chemo and radiation for ke cancer, for example, mm -hmm. would be considered now as a, it is considered outside of the box and not the standard of care right now, but now it's going to actually, with the Obamacare passing and showing this constitutional, will have the potential of criminalizing anybody that is treating their patients mm -hmm. with a non-conventionally accepted, non-traditional model. And And here, this is what is the most concerning, because on a fundamental level, obviously we're talking about life and, and healthier, but on a fundamental level, this is the last area of freedom that we're talking about. Because once you allow the government to dictate the foods you put in your mouth, which they're already doing, yes. and the medicines to take into your bodies, your souls will soon be in the same sorry state as those who live under tyranny, as Thomas Jefferson had said over 250 years ago. But I believe that that is the, the assault on personal freedom when it comes to choice of what you're going to eat and how you're going to treat your own body. This is the last obstacle left for those that have an 
as you and I have discussed before, an evil agenda yeah. because there is no other obstacle. This is the last crest of the hill and or the mountain, and after that, it's all downhill for them. This is our opportunity, our last stand, because if we allow this to disappear, mm-hmm. there is nothing left for our great nation and, and the great people of our nation. Well, I think this is really facilitating an uprising, as we've talked about for a long time. How much would it take? How much before you jump out of the pot? And I had a guest on uh, last week. It was very funny. Tom Mullen says, you know, I looked into that whole frog boiling slowly thing, and it, it turns out the frogs actually are smarter than people because they will jump out. <laughs> <laughs> the American people seem to be all too willing to be boiled alive, as evidenced by if you tolerate what Justice John Roberts said, in that it, well, it's unconstitutional here, here, but it's constitutional as a tax and as a fine or penalty. And recognizing that he held millions of dollars in a pharmaceutical portfolio and only relinquished it in the last year and also played a role in the Kilo versus New London decision, which was a Pfizer issue up there, in, uh, I believe, in New Jersey. So the conflicts of interest run very deep, but they they run so dangerously deep now because, you know, we're all on the uh, – you listen to the Robert Scott Bell show, you, you become orthorexic, right? And we're, we're proud of that. We, we choose healthier food, and we don't, we don't shy away from that. We also have oppositional defiance disorder. We don't take to authority very well because the authoritarians in government haven't a clue what's really going on. They just want to, again, dictate to you what you need to be on, some form of uh, the Soma of Valdis Huxley. Well, Robert, you do know historically who else suffered from the same type of uh, disorder. Our finding fathers. Oh, yeah. They were most definitely uh, ODD. They would have put on, been on massive psychiatric meds back then. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that you were wrong that the American people are smarter, um, that frogs are smarter than American people, and they will jump out. I think there's a lot of people jumping out. And I don't mean jumping out and leaving the ship. I don't mean they're deserting America. I think there's a lot of people that, at least in my own circle, which I would have never imagined having known some of these people for many years, never having any discussions like this, Yes, they are slowly but surely and very steadily preparing for a fight in, in, in their own ways, each one a little bit different. But sure. there is that thought process now that before would have never been thought to be prevalent among society and just perhaps in small little sectors of secluded areas within Montana or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's very prevalent now in all the states, in all areas. Uh, In fact, just the Ron Paul followers and how they have been so intense in their support and and intense in their beliefs and intense in their actions. It kind of shows you where we're going. And there are more and more people that are starting to realize this. Even the most fundamentally ignorant people uh, regarding politics and the economy are starting to see because it's affecting them and their pocketbooks and what's being served on their tables and, and how their investment portfolios may be performing. Uh, and you hear all this rosy-colored information that's coming through the media, and yet a person can't sell their house uh, after right. having it on the market for a year and a half, two years. I mean, these are the types of things that slowly will change a person's mind and just make them start thinking, well, I'm hearing all this stuff, but is that really the truth? And if it was the truth, then why is it that more than half my friends and associates are starting to talk about all these other arenas that before publicly were never stated? So I think people are starting to jump out. We are like the frog starting to jump out of the water. And as more jump out, more are starting to look at 
why are we jumping out and maybe they should be jumping out. And I think that's mm. where we are right now. I think so. So I'm not going to be able to get away with any broad generalizations about the American people being stupider than frogs. Thank you, Dr. Bittar. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are, you are correct. And, and you know, I've seen it too. We, we're discussing it more. And I think this is what the passage in the Supreme Court decision on Obamacare is going to stimulate exactly that. More of those people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What exactly. Did, what did they just you're, say? you're absolutely right. This yeah. is, again, this is kind of like that uh, throwing down the gauntlet. And a lot of people that may have been on the border or may have said, nah, nah, these guys are the conspiracy, the conspiracy mm-hmm. theorists or, or, or Instead like of the we conspiracy call it, call it realists, realist, yeah. now are going to say, wait a second, there is something to this. Why, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Because I think Obamacare is the one single most common agenda for the American public as far as being opposed to it. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. It is, it's definitely divided the nation in a sense, but more people than not are, uh, let's say, opposed at least, at the very least, to the so-called mandating of participation in this. It's almost like a unifying rallying call. Yeah, I think so. It's going to serve its purpose uh, to wake us all, those that aren't awake yet. And it's just another one of the layers of the things we've we've talked about here at the beginning of this year, that, that 2012, this year, is a pivotal year. It's a year of consciousness and shift. And this is just one aspect, you might say, a symptom of what is necessary in order to make people uncomfortable enough to move from their discomfort. Right? I'm sort of uncomfortable, but I'm not uncomfortable enough yet, so I'll just carry on. And suddenly you go, wait, 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 no, that's a little too prickly. I, I think I need to move now. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree that, that is, this is one of those type of components. It pushes a person closer to that point of having to stand up because they're too uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's take a quick break here. Remember, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, best-selling book by Dr. Rasha Bittar. If you haven't gotten it, it's a real easy, simple guidebook, but very comprehensive to help you navigate some of the things we talk about from a, well, not only just you talk about biomedical, medical, physiological, emotional, all of the things that we cover or encompass here. we got lots more to talk about, including a very uh, complex question from one of our listeners here. And we'll get to as well. That was up on the on the website at robertscottbell.com where you can link through to all of the great things, including the Medical Rewind with Dr. Batar after this. If you're looking for FDA-approved radio, you're listening to the wrong show. This is the Robert Scott Bell Show. on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Not that you need reminding, but it is the Independence Day week, holiday week here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, and we're kicking it off uh, really amazingly with Dr. Batar as we start our week every every Monday with Dr. Batar here with Advanced Medicine. I was just bringing up the nine steps to keep the doctor away, and there's a quote here by another friend of ours, uh, Dr. Robert Rowan, who has written a book I've, I've also uh, covered on this show some years ago. Fascinating stuff. But he writes this, the nine steps to keep the doctor away does in 352 pages what thousands of pages in the federal health care takeover can't do. This book empowers you to restore yourself to health instead of government foisting disease maintenance upon you while robbing you by taxation. Until we address the fundamental causes of dis-ease, we will pay more, get less, and remain ill with bodies that cannot heal. With these nine steps, you can avoid the disease maintenance paradigm and reclaim your own body. 
If America were to awaken to these nine simple truths, there would be no health crisis and no need for government takeover to prop up a failed system. Man, Dr. Rowan has a way with words. He nailed it. Well, yeah, he did. And I am very grateful that he felt that powerfully about the book and and the concepts within the book. But, you know, the subject of the book, Robert, Mm -hmm. was not something that just came up because I wanted to write something. This was something for nine years was my principal method of addressing every patient that came to my clinic had to start dealing with eight of these nine steps. Uh, And the only reason it wasn't all nine was because one of them at that time was it was necessary to have a doctor. Now it's not necessary to have a doctor on the ninth step. But the point is that these nine steps were the basic building blocks. They were the foundation of everything that we did. And if people didn't do these nine steps, they did not get the same response and results as people that did. In fact, I had patients, we did this experimentally, where I told patients that, look, we can start this treatment and that treatment. But before we do that, I want you to do the following for the next 60 days, the next 90 days, the next 120 days. And we did this between the two months and the four month period to just see what type of changes would occur in the individual. And do you know that over 75%, it was something like 78% of the complaints that people had. So we're talking over three quarters of the complaints that people had when they came to the clinic were resolved in less than 120 days without any intervention from a medical standpoint just by following these nine steps. You know, when you say no intervention, uh, I mean, you're talking about uh, traditional medical interventions that people expect when they go to a doctor. They're going to get a script for something. There's going to be an invasive procedure of some kind. I mean, you're talking none of that. I'm talking about none of that. I'm talking about simply following the instructions in the book, just simply telling People do this, do this, do this. And then, you know, each of them, the steps, as you know, in the back of each chapter, there's a summary and I go through certain points. And then in the conclusion of the book, the point is made that, look, just do one of those many things for each of those steps. So it's not like you have to incorporate everything in. Just start off with one. In fact, if that's going to be hard, just do one of those components for one step. And do that for 30 days and then add the next step on and then do the next step. And I'm not saying it's easy because I myself, I mean, I wrote the book and I'm still, you know, sometimes it's it's difficult to continue. But the vast majority of those steps are part of my daily life. And it's difficult to do all the different components and all nine steps. But I can tell you. There's an adage that it's very important for everybody to remember, regardless whether we're talking about the book or we're talking about life in general. Yes. Once difficult, now easy. Yes. Basically, that means that something that you find very difficult, if you just do it a little bit every day, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute, you will find that within a month or two, it's a lot easier than it was originally. And then you'll find in three or four months, as long yep. as you're doing it, even if it's just 30 seconds every day, Incredible. you will find it effortless. And then you can add on the next thing because it becomes a habit and it's easy. It's just like running. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really difficult to run the first time. But if you keep on doing it on a consistent basis and you don't have to do it that far, you, it becomes easier and easier and easier. It becomes effortless. Once difficult, now easy. And that's the key people have to remember. Slowly start. And as long as you're doing something on a consistent basis, it will happen. My daughter, as you know, has decided to become a physician mm-hmm. on Friday. She was, I'm sorry, on Thursday, she was in my office. She came into my office, uh, and she's learning how to put in IVs now, and she's, you know, just, I want to get her feet wet. Mm -hmm. She came into my office, and she said, Dad, I've got a question. And I said, sure. 
she says, I, um, I'm kind of worried. What, what, what happens if I decide that, uh, I, I don't want to be a doctor. And I said, well, you, you, you know, it's one of these things that you don't really just stop desiring something or start desiring something. What do you mean? Well, what's your real issue? Cause I can't see that. I've never talked to you about being a doctor. You make that decision yourself. And now you're yeah. telling me, what if you don't want to be a doctor? And she said, well, it's not that I don't want to. She said, I'm just concerned. I'm worried. Um, because science, I've never really enjoyed science. And this is one of the things with her. She, and she applies herself. She does extremely well in anything. Yes. And I started realizing it's that fear of, again, something like this nine steps or anything in life where people fear the unknown, the fear, like, what if I can't do it? What if I can't eat the right thing? What if I can't get the right foods? What if I can't get time to exercise? What if I, what if I, what? It's that mental fear that we create in our minds. And we've talked about this before. So I told her, I said, look, you do it one step at a time. You don't think about, oh my God, I got to go through four years of college, then four years of medical school, then internship, then residency, then fellowship. You don't talk, think about that way. You don't think 10 years out. You don't even think one year out. You don't even think one month out. <laughs> I said, on, on a worse day, you may think a week out, but I want you to start thinking one day at a time. Yes. And that's what you do. Today, this is what I got to do. And you focus in on that day and that's it. And if you've got a test coming up in two, three days, fine. You want to look at that range, you do that. But you never look beyond that because... Some people would disagree with me, but the reason you don't want to look far out there, I I do, some people do, but the reason that most people shouldn't is because the fear will paralyze the individual because they start saying, oh my God, this is a 10-year thing I got to do. And it's not 10 years, it's one day at a time. And before you realize it, that 10 years is over. Mm -hmm. And that's how actually I went through medical school because people say, you know, how did you decide and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, doctors ask us all the time. And most of the people that went through medical school or did anything in, in life that was a long course, they didn't do it because they looked at it, you know, from high school and said, okay, I got 12 years ahead of me and that's what I'm going to focus on. No, they did it one day at a time. And before you know it, it's over and you're like, holy moly, where did the time go? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how life is. My daughter even told me, 19, she's like, Dad, I can't believe it. it just feels like I just started junior high and now I'm starting college. And I said, do you remember how long ago that was? She goes, yeah, it was a year ago, but it only feels like it was last week. Yeah. I said, exactly. That's why you focus in today. And before you know it, it'll be four years. It'll be you know eight years. It'll be 10 years. Already she's finished her first year of college and it feels like it was only a week ago that she had that conversation with me when she's starting college. And so, again, the nine steps, it's a simple thing, but you just have to pick one point, shoot for that one point accomplish it, and then go to the next. And it's not just applicable to this book. It's applicable to anything in life. If you're dealing with a chronic disease, you don't think of cancer and say, oh, my God, I, you know, I've got to do all this t- treatment and this and that. No, look at one thing. Okay, I'm going to cut out sugar. That's what I'm going to do. Once you've been able to cut out sugar effectively, okay, I'm going to start making sure that I'm getting more aerobic activity. I need to make sure that I'm getting more oxygen in my system. Okay, I'm going to do this. All right, now I've, I'm doing that. I need to now make sure I'm consuming 150 uh, cc's of water every day or you know, 200 cc of water, whatever your formula is based upon the formula that I give in the book. But whatever the case is, you do it one step at a time. Hmm. You realize this sets you up uh, to be the like the first book banned under Obamacare. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to Dr. Rowan's uh, assessment of the book, you're absolutely right. And I take that as a great compliment. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about that because we've been seeing a lot of movement from the FDA recently looking at what they call medical or health apps, you know, online and with, with smartphones. And they're like, wow, how do we crack down on this? The information is getting out there. Soon all the people will have access to the information we wanted them not to know about. And what, where will we be in this? And so the, the crumbling of the medical industrial complex is such only possible when the people have the information like available 
in the nine steps to keep the doctor away. And that's why it becomes a dangerous book, not to the people, not to anybody's health, but to the control over your health, the domination over your health. Well, Robert, you know, uh, I told you what had transpired last week. And one of the issues with the medical board that they have, again, for those that don't know, they're, again, starting their little antics with me. But one of the issues is my book. Mm -hmm. Now, it's amazing to me. My attorneys were laughing on the phone. They said they couldn't believe how absurd this is. And and there's there's not going to be anything that's going to come out of it, according to them. And I started laughing. And I said, look, I I appreciate your your." positive outlook but excuse my cynicism i don't trust the bastards yeah and they said yeah but they can't really do anything about your book i mean it's already an international bestseller blah 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 the fact is that they are concerned about this why because of exactly what you said and you know perhaps some people would say oh you're just being paranoid blah 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 no. but they have specifically in a letter mm-hmm. outlined that they're concerned about the way the book is being marketed oh. the book is being marketed because they have alleged that we have used spam. Now, we have camp spam policies on everything that we've ever done, and there right. are probably six or seven other companies that have been using uh, the book now as a way to spread their information, meaning that they believe in the principles of the book and somehow, you know, maybe about nutrition or supplementation, and these companies are using the book and marketing, you know, you buy this and you'll get a copy of the book for free or something like that. Right. In fact, Rob Rohn did this with his newsletter. Uh, they used it as a promotional item. And for a second opinion. But the point is, they started to question or they're asking us to provide information about the camp spam. And my response, obviously, is going to be, show me where my book or anything that I have done has violated any governmental policy. With the exception of, of course, if they say that the freedom of speech is no longer intact, and then I probably yeah. <laughs> have done something. But I'm still uh, operating under the assumption that the freedom of speech is still intact. Exactly. And this brings to light something that it was either last week or the week before we talked about, which was perhaps one of the most profound of the many things we've covered, the story of how the medical board just disavowed any knowledge of the existence of the people that you helped overcome cancer. Because as we assessed, it was the biggest threat to their control over everybody. If you start seeing people alive and well coming through cancer in the way that you, you guide them through it, it's all over for them. And, and it's not to say that we are able to help every single person because we're not. We're working towards it. That's what my goal is. That's what I'm shooting for. And we're getting closer and closer to that point. But the fact is that these people that are coming to us, the vast, vast majority of them have already tried everything else and there's nothing left for them. And so I think that your point that you just made, Robert, is a crucial component of this because it actually undermines the authority mm-hmm. and proves without a shadow of the doubt that the emperor has no clothes, as you've often said. Yes, yes, that, that is it. The The undermining of authority has, has been the case for thousands of years of recorded human history. We're now at that point in time where many of you are waking up to undermine that authority because you recognize that authority is doing great harm to you and your children and grandchildren. So this is a, a, you know, if we call a righteous cause, if there ever was one, standing up for our health freedom, standing up for liberty, and rolling back the overreach of the federal government as we recognize it may be that the economic collapse is perhaps the most profound and positive outcome or let's say getting us to that outcome because so much of what they do is consistent with bankrupting us anyway and it's a it's a herxheimer's response it's that healing crisis it's Mm -hmm. necessary to go through that turmoil because it's part and parcel of the healing process 
An economic Herxheimer response. I love it. Hey, stand yep. by. We're going to come back, and I promise we were going to get to that email that came through the, uh, the website at robertscottbell.com. We have links up, of course, to the nine steps to keep the doctor away, medical rewind, and everything else. You check it out in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. And we will be back and answering a very interesting question about a child, child with a sleep disorder. So we're going to get to the bottom of that after this on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rashid Batar. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Where the truth takes him. Here's Robert. Are they going to burn books? Is it back to book banning? What's going to happen? Freedom of speech gone. They don't want medical apps done for. What about the Robert Scott Bell Show? Freedom of speech on all levels. Big questions here as Obamacare you know, throws its blanket thanks to Justice John Roberts of the Supreme Court over this entire nation and stifles medical innovation, healing freedom, etc. And that's why Dr. Batar is here each week to support our efforts to bring that power to heal back to you, Dr. Batar. We got a lot of work to do, even though we're very encouraged by a lot of the good things that are happening. Well, you're right, Robert. We do have a lot of work to do. But one of the interesting things that I've come across, which I'm about to initiate, is this concept of the First and Fourteenth Amendment right to association, mm-hmm. right to uh, assembly. And in the Supreme Court, there's over 70 cases that have upheld the right to assemble and that the private association is a form of assembly as opposed to the pu- operating within the public domain. Very interesting concepts, and I'm not well-versed enough to talk about it in an educated manner, but mm-hmm. I am well enough aware of it now that I am going to be participating and almost everything that we're going to be doing publicly is going to be now turned over to a private association that we're going to create. In fact, that's something that you might even consider. For example, all my patients will, from this point onwards, they will have to join an association, and all existing patients will have to join an association. And it will be very, very expensive. It will be $1 for a lifelong membership. (laughs) uh, (laughs) But what it does is it takes us out of the public domain now. Now, just think about this for a second and understand that the power of the medical boards, the power of the FDA, the power of the Federal Trade Commission, it's always that they're trying to protect the public. Right. But if we are no longer operating within the public sector and we're no longer marketing to the public and we are only talking and dealing and helping and associating with the members of our own private association, they have no jurisdiction over us. And this is something that a gentleman that I have recently met who has done this for over 37 years. In fact, I had a conference call with him on Friday along with five attorneys, five attorneys I had on there. He's not an attorney, but I have five attorneys on there with me. These are all the attorneys that have either represented me in past scenarios or uh, I'm close with that who I rely upon. And uh, two of them, one's my dad and one's my brother, and then the other Three are attorneys that have either represented me or will be representing me. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were all intrigued. In fact, afterwards, when I talked to this gentleman, uh, he laughed and he said, you know, I'm just not. He said, I, I said, I think it was positive. And he said, positive. He goes, that was incredible because I'm just not used to talking to one attorney yes. that is willing to listen to what I have to say, leave alone uh, five attorneys. <laughs> and he said, because everything that he's done has mm-hmm. been upheld over the last 37 years. Yes. And it makes complete sense. And it uh, follows logic. He's got all the case law to support it. So that's actually one of the things we're going to be doing. And I have 
because of the volume of services that I'm going to be engaging with him, I've already paid him for lifelong for anybody else that wants to do an association. So I think we should set up an association for the Robert Scott Bell Show and the, and the normal fee of doing it, which is pretty exorbitant for us as people that are setting up associations. You know, it's about 20000 but wow. we can get that taken care of uh, because I'm, I'm doing so much with him that – We'll get we'll get the Robert Scott Bell show set up. You know, people may have to subscribe one dollar for a lifelong membership. Or- oh yeah, no, I, I understand it. I think it's a brilliant uh, idea. It has proven successful all the way up, as you said, seventy court cases up to the Supreme Court level have established it. Now, it's not to say there are a lot of people are again looking for the the magic bullet. You can't rest on your laurels there because we've seen some evidence of the FDA trying to pierce these things like private uh, buying clubs where, where you have cow shares, for instance, the raw milk issue. I mean, they are so desperate that they're Well, they trying- didn't set those up. I asked them about that. They didn't set them up correctly. That is a very important point. And, and, it, and it goes right to what you said with the nine steps to keep the doctor away, doing one thing, one thing right, and then another thing right, as opposed to doing 10 things wrong and then trying to somewhere fit one in. Just like one step right, it leads to 10 others. But if if you don't have that proper foundation, yes, you could be on a little bit of rickety ground. Somebody could come in and take a leg out from under you, and you thought you were you were solid, and you weren't. Exactly, you're absolutely right. That's you hit it right on the head. This is a very crucial point. Things have to be set up the right way. But what's really, really incredible about this is that when you look at case law, there is always pro and anti arguments or, or counter arguments. So right. you always have the the, the Legal argument shows these number of cases that support it and these number of cases oppose it. When you start looking at the First and Fourteenth Amendment right to association, there are no cases that have ever been shown that, that Carl could find that were opposed to this. Seventy Over 70 that supported it in, all the way to the Supreme Court, but none that he found to oppose it. So it's the most lopsided positive thing for us that um, there's no case law to oppose it. And I think that if it's set up correctly, as you said, mm-hmm. it's unpenetratable. And, and here's the thing. We are not operating in the public. We're not trying to solicit the public. In fact, the vast majority of people, th- this is a pretense that the government uses to come after those that are making a difference. For example, I don't market anywhere. I don't have any advertisements anywhere. I don't have – I mean my yellow page ad is literally one line, which is a free thing that they put in just right. because you're a business. I don't advertise anywhere. And they don't talk about the plastic surgeons that are on the TV and that have huge two-page you know, yellow page ads. They don't go after them because they're within the conventional realm. But they will try to say that I'm advertising. I mean just look at this. My book hits international bestseller status and they're trying to say – that there's an issue with the book. <laughs> this is the only way they can attack it yeah. because there's no other way. Your radio show, example, media can get the, the whole object of media is to reach out to the public. Well, why would they attack the Robert Scott Bell show with, with any other? I mean, what, what would be their motive? The only motive would be to shut it down, to keep the information from being spread out there. Yeah. That's the only reason. And so, what, but yet, what you're doing. It's virally spreading, which is what all media wants to do. They want to virally spread. So what are we doing? We are not out there publicizing. Is there any advertisements that the Robert Scott Bell show does out there in the media to get people to listen to it? Uh, No, other than our broadcast through our, our normal outlets. No, there's no extra than that. Exactly. You don't have any ads running or any money that you're paying to tell people, trying to solicit them to come listen to the radio. And that's my point. Mm. We are not doing anything like that. But these laws that they use are actually trying to 
prevent the, the, the government uses those laws to prevent us from getting the truth out there. So if we set it up under private association, yes. they no longer have any jurisdiction. To bring this point home, mm-hmm. think of a dry county that doesn't serve alcohol, that you can't buy alcohol, you can't sell alcohol, you can't consume alcohol. Yet the Moose's Lodge or the private Club clubs, or whatever yes. you want to call it, they can serve alcohol, they can sell alcohol, people go there and consume alcohol. Why? It's a because private it's a- association. Bingo. Yeah, outside of the jurisdiction. Brilliant. Dr. Batar, as always, and this is great. You know, we've, we've studied these things for years, but you're right. These are the things we have to do to protect ourselves and to keep the free flow of information out there. And, of course, those that are going to engage in the uh, flow of that information are going to do so because they want to as opposed to being tricked into doing it because that's not our way. Now, we do get lots of email questions. and oh, Robert, before, yes. before you take the question, I do want to make one other point. Sure. In the in the remote chances that somebody is saying, well, this is just a way to avoid the governmental scrutiny, it is not avoiding anything. We are saying that if if the government's position is that they have to protect the public yes. from unscrupulous people, they're absolutely right. They should. We are so confident and we are so successful in what we're doing. We don't need to talk to the public. We will only talk to the people that join our membership and actually pay a, a, a something to exchange for that information. And whatever that is, that's up to us because we're going to not enter into a private contract. But we are not, no longer soliciting people, and that's the key, mm-hmm. because their entire grounds for protection, protecting the public is based upon trying to protect them from being solicited, which we're not. Because how can somebody be solicited if they got to pay to get the information? Brilliant. So anyway, I just want to make sure that I brought that point up, too, because I'm sure that there's somebody listening saying, well, this is just a way to dupe the government. It's not a well, way to dupe yeah, the government. This, the this is, is what was set up by the government. This right. was set up by our forefathers to ensure exactly. the right for us to get together and, and be able to provide this information to other people. The right to assembly and the right Free and for freedom of speech assembly. was set up by our forefathers to ensure and prevent exactly what's happening right yeah, now. Yeah, as we know, the, the only people doing the duping are in government, in reality. And, yes. and of course, here we are establishing private associations, communication lines vi- via voluntary association. That's much different than the forced coercion of Obamacare, which is where we started today. And rightfully so, because we must. We must discuss what's happening and, and the implications and also how to maneuver around it for uh, the sake of our health and the health of our children, etc. Here's a question about uh, the health of a child. Uh, I've been uh, loving your show since I started listening. This is an email for a few months ago. I have a question regarding uh, circadian rhythm sleep disorders. My four-year-old daughter has always slept well with very few wake-up calls at, at night, so to speak, wake-ups, but her night has always been on her own unique schedule. Specifically, she's alternated between de- delayed sleep phase syndrome, where she had a consistent 3 to 4 a.m. bedtime, or the more debilitating non-24-hour sleep-wake syndrome, where her body would run a 25-hour internal clock, an hour, and her schedule would shift by an hour each day. This is, I mean, I've not heard much of this. I've heard reference of it, but I've never dealt with this, Dr. Batar. Honestly, I don't know if this is something you've ever heard or seen. Well, actually I have, but it's not. The circadian rhythm is, uh, the circadian rhythm disruption is actually a symptom and not the problem because she goes on to give us the answer. In fact, one of my mentors when I was a medical student, one of the physicians who was my instructor a very profound statement that he made to me. He's long died since he was in the seventies when I met him, and I was, you know, in my early early twenties. Yes. But uh, one of the things he said was, he said, "Listen to your patients, and if you listen to them long enough, they will always give you the answer." And this lady's email gives us the answer. In fact, um, 
So she goes on to talk about the um, fluoride. Yes. One of the most dramatic successes came with treating her for fluoride accumulation in the pineal gland using boron supplementation, which has been shown to bind with fluoride and remove it from the body. Nice. She has um, a toxicity issue. Yes. And it's not just the fluoride. She, again, I know <clears throat> this kind of brings to mind what um, my daughter did in school when she was in junior high. They had a small little segment where each of the students talked about what their parents did. And they asked her what her father did, and she said, I don't know. He's just, all I know is that he's obsessed with mercury. So <laughs> that was her answer. Um, but yeah. of course, I mean, she, she knows why I'm obsessed with mercury. And it's not that I'm obsessed with mercury, I'm obsessed with getting rid of the mercury. And this is actually an issue that we see in um, many people with mercury toxicity is a significant sleep disorder. Mm-hmm. Vast majority of the time, it has to do with the loss of REM sleep. So they don't dream, they're. Yep somewhat um, disruptive in their sleep patterns where either one, they can't fall asleep, and if they do fall asleep, then they tend to wake up. Now, this is, of course, assuming there aren't other things such as sleep apnea and a soft palate that's you know collapsing when the person relaxes. Mm-hmm. But in a four-year-old child, you wouldn't expect that. I would very strongly suggest that they find a physician that can appropriately test for mercury and look on the challenge test. And if her metal levels come down very, very low, that means she's a non-excreter and she has a serious metal problem. Sure. If she's putting out a decent amount of metals, then it's probably not as big of an issue and she should probably just go ahead and get some treatments to pull more of the metals out. But I would be uh, very surprised, highly, highly surprised if treating her for heavy metal toxicity and persistent organic pollutant toxicity did not resolve this issue completely. Right. And, you know, interesting in this case, she says that her daughter was born at home with no interventions, no vaccines or antibiotics. But this doesn't mean that there's no mercury toxicity because there are also parental issues coming down generationally as well as other environmental exposure. So we, we can't say if a child has never been vaccinated that that's enough to say there's no mercury. Outstanding point, Robert. A very, very crucial point. In fact, the Centers for Disease Control, the NHANES data that was released in 2003 showed that one out of six women of childbearing age in the United States was mercury toxic. So if the mother is mercury toxic, the child by definition will be, even if the child has no vaccines, has never mm-hmm. eaten anything, any type of fish that has mercury, has never been exposed to combustion of fossil fuel, has no amalgams in their mouth, just the mere fact that they were born from a mother that was mercury toxic. And please, nobody contort what I just said and said that that's a mother's fault. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I'm just saying if the mother, and this has been done, people have actually said, oh, I can't believe Dr. Trey, you accused the mother yeah. of you know causing the problem. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if a mother is mercury toxic, which she needs to get taken care of too for her own health, the baby by definition will be so. Right, right. Well, listen, we got to take a break, wrap up a few more minutes to get to the top of the hour of this special holiday week edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Batar, Advanced Medicine Monday like nowhere else in media. Stand by. Coming right back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. 
We went a little bit long, but that's the kind of thing that happens occasionally when Dr. Batar and I get together for Advanced Medicine Monday every week here. And I'm thinking, Dr. Batar, this is the holiday. This is the real Independence Day stuff we're talking about here on the show every week. And when you see the fireworks on July 4th, acknowledge not just, oh, it's a party and barbecue and cookout, but the real liberty basis for all that we do here. And that those fireworks that we celebrate were explosions back uh, when freedom was attained. And I would like to have a personal uh, request of everybody that's listening to this show that when you are enjoying the fireworks and the barbecues and such, think about the soldiers that are in different worlds, in different nations, and literally in different worlds to them because they're, yes. they're not home. And just give a moment, you know, a few seconds of thought and intention and prayer towards them and that soon they're back with their loved ones and back home enjoying the same barbecues and fireworks that you are. Yes, exactly. You know, that's something we we are uh, encouraging because we don't believe in perpetual warfare here. Neither did our founding fathers who said, let's let's get it done. Bring them home. Stay out of these entangling alliances. So that would be a great thing to move forward to with an intention to see that they can all come home and we can defend our families, our, our, our property, our homes, our posterity, you know, in a lawful manner. And of course, acknowledging the basis, which is thousands of years of history to the point where America came to be. Absolutely, Robert. It's a, it's a message that probably more than ever, 2012, July 4th is a time that will historically be remembered. And I'm very confident that it is the marking, not of an end, but of a new beginning. Yes, we love liberty here with all of our hearts and beings, and we try to be a living example for that for everybody. And Dr. Batar, you are absolutely that. And when we get together, you know, liberty oozes from uh, from the computers all over planet Earth. Well, I appreciate it, Robert. It's the same with you. So I think that we make a good team, and I'm appreciative and, and grateful that we have the freedom to get together every week. Yep, and we'll continue to ramp it up and until next week. Dr. Batar, have a wonderful holiday week. We'll be back with Advanced Medicine Monday again, of course, and reminding you to keep this in your heart and your very being that the power to heal is yours. 